the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. For the hour of 9 o'clock on this Tuesday, the 8th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Appreciate you being with us. Coming up, it's a good day today because coming up, Peter Kersenow will be joining us. It's always a great day when it's Kersenow Day. Kersenow at the top of hour number two to talk about a host of issues, including discrimination that continues at Harvard. Yeah, educationally, uh, they value diversity more than they value uh, merit and um uh, accomplishments. That is uh, going to be one of the subjects that we discuss with Peter Kirstenau this morning. Very much looking forward to that. However, we are going to start today in the place that we have been starting every day for the last uh, couple of weeks anyway, and that is uh, the attempt to remove the President of the United States from office, the coup d'etat, which is essentially what this is. And anybody who doesn't understand that is simply not paying attention. There was movement today, breaking news as a matter of fact. The uh, planned deposition of uh, uh, an important official with knowledge of the conversations uh, that the President of the United States held back in July with uh, the President of Ukraine, President uh, Zelensky, uh, was supposed to testify before Adam Schiff's House Intelligence Committee today. The White House, literally at the 11th hour, literally, I mean, just about, uh, what, half an hour ago, decided to block that. And Democrats are fuming uh, over this move. So the EU ambassador, uh, who was supposed to be deposed over this uh, Ukraine phone call and his knowledge of it, will not appear at this impeachment probe deposition. Uh, the Trump administration ordered this, uh, said that he will not uh, speak, according to his lawyer. He is not allowed to speak, a move likely to significantly escalate tensions, obviously, between the House Democrats 
and the White House. Gordon Sondland is, of course, who we're speaking of. He was supposed to speak today, starting at about uh, uh, 8.30, and he is. Uh, this is likely to infuriate the Democrats who have indicated they see any such move like this as an obstruction. And now they're going to, of course, come at Trump with obstruction of justice charges. Now, the problem we, uh, at this point, excuse me, we don't understand is what the move, uh, what the reason was, what the um, uh, plan here is by the White House. Hopefully there's a long game here. An attorney for Gordon Sondland said the order to not appear came directly from the State Department. So that would be uh, from Mike Pompeo. Attorney Robert Luskin said Sondland, who had previously agreed to appear voluntarily for a closed session, is required to follow the department's direction. No reason, again, for the direction was cited. Sondland, according to the lawyer, is, quote, profoundly disappointed that he will not be able to testify. Ambassador Sondland hopes that the issues raised by the State Department, now Fox News, however, has been told that, and is reporting, that while Sondland is not showing up for now, Adam Schiff plans to draft a subpoena to try to secure his testimony later in the day. Now, how will that go? Because the Trump administration has not necessarily been super forthcoming, uh, even when it comes to... Um, uh, subpoenas that have been uh, uh, that have been put forth by the Democrats. Democrats claim that Trump used four hundred million dollars in military aid as leverage in a quid pro quo for the Ukrainians. And I'm not even going to get into the rest. I will do this every day again until the matter is resolved. All right, I will remind you that any new whistleblower news that you read, any new whistleblower news that you hear about. Um, is irrelevant. I'm going to continue to point this out. It is literally irrelevant because the phone call transcript was released. Understand? It, it, it matters what I'm saying right now. We'll try to figure that out and come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 917 now as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Does this sound a little better? I was told that we had uh, some audio glitches that was creating a kind of a, a robotic effect of some sort. Uh, so apologies for that. Don't know exactly what to say about it. Just it happened. So uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, hopefully this sounds better for you and much more clear. Uh, you know what I'll do is I'll take the opportunity to uh, pivot to my next topic because uh, I don't have a ton more to say that we have not already said other than what I was, you know, the point I was endeavoring to make prior to the little glitch there was that um, it does not matter what any whistleblower says. It is completely relevant. Take that with you throughout your day and anybody's talking to you about what the whistleblower said, the whistleblower said, the whistleblower said, tell them to pound it because it is pointless, 100% pointless when the president released a transcript of the call literally on day two. Day two after this whole thing and the uh, um, existence of whistleblower was announced, the president said, here's the transcript. We don't need a whistleblower's second-hand account now. We don't need a second whistleblower's first-hand account now. We just have the transcript, and we can look at it, we can see for ourselves what it says. And what it says is the president wanted Ukraine to help look into the meddling of the 2016 election. How much did they have a role in it, the corrupt government of the, uh, of the time? Did they have a role in it uh, versus what Russia did? And, uh, and uh, oh, by the way, you've got uh, some corrupt bad actors working in your government. We're sending you money. We would like you to look into those bad actors, too. And if that happens to be Joe Biden, and one, or Hunter Biden, rather, uh, then it happens to be Hunter Biden. And that's it. 
So uh, there isn't a ton more to say about that. I did point out, though, that Gordon Sondland has been banned from speaking, from testifying, from being deposed before the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, at the very last second, a decision by Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, or at least by the State Department, has uh, prevented uh, him from speaking, and we will keep you abreast of that situation as it uh, develops. But this does give me an opportunity to pivot to something else. Hugh Hewitt, <coughs> excuse me again, Hugh Hewitt was talking with ADF today, the Alliance Defending Freedom, right there at the end of the program, if you heard it, about an extraordinarily important case. Now that the Supreme Court is back in session, uh, it's an extraordinarily important case that ADF is fighting for, and it is so much bigger than just the, uh, the principles involved, the uh, plaintiffs involved. This is a sex discrimination case based on something that has nothing to do with sex. Uh, that's the, the, the irony of the entire thing. The Supreme Court is hearing arguments today on a lower court decision that redefined sex in federal law, which is something that just simply cannot happen. It cannot happen, and it is my belief, and I'm basing a lot of that on Hugh's belief because Hugh's experience in the Supreme Court and with the Supreme Court is just so vast. Um, I am basing that in large part on what he had to say, that it should be a 9 to nothing decision. You simply cannot do this. You simply cannot redefine sex. Um for the purposes of uh, politics, quite frankly, and, uh, and, and, and quote-unquote social justice. So they're arguing today, and here's the details of the case. There's an oral argument uh, that will be made by Alliance Defending Freedom Vice President John Bursch uh, before the Supreme Court in the R.G. and G.R. Harris Funeral Homes case versus Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. They will argue on behalf of the funeral home, and will be joined um, uh, a little bit later on at a news conference after the uh, uh, testimony is given before the Supreme Court to talk about this. Last month, a diverse array of groups, officials, and experts filed friend-of-the-court briefs with the High Court, Supreme Court, arguing that unelected government officials cannot usurp the role of Congress by redefining the word sex in federal law to mean gender identity. Sex is simple and, and binary and provable. Chromosomal uh, testing proves whether or not you are male or a female. Uh, in 99.9 plus percent of the population, uh, simple human anatomy tells you whether you are male or female. That's what sex is, human anatomy. Now, again, I said 99.9 plus percent because there is a very teeny tiny percent of people that may be born, <laughs> excuse me, that may be born with uh, essentially defects uh, and, and may have dual uh, uh anatomical uh, genitalia, but that is extraordinarily rare. And I don't want to get into all of that because we are talking about uh, the, the, the general uh, rule, the general uh, physiological, anatomical, biological, chromosomal uh, norms that dif- differentiate men from women, males from females, right? They are trying to do this to include, redefine the word sex, to include gender identity, which means we are going to take males and females and include people's psychological delusions in them. We're going to allow psychological delusions to change the definition of human, scientific, biological, anatomical, physiological, chromosomal sex. And and what does a funeral home have to do with this, you may be wondering? Well, in the Harris Funeral Homes uh, case, in their own brief filed with the court, ADF attorneys explained that allowing this to happen will cause problems in employment law, Reduce bodily privacy protections for everyone. We're talking about places where we've always talked about where you have a reasonable expectation of privacy. Locker rooms, showers, restrooms, etc. And will erode equal opportunities for women and girls, among many other consequences. 
Americans should be able to rely on what the law says. Redefining sex to mean gender identity creates chaos. It's unfair to women. It's unfair to girls. It puts employers in very difficult situations, said Birch. Title VII and other civil rights laws like Title IX are in place to protect equal opportunities for for women. Changing sex to mean gender gender identity undermines that. And that is exactly right. So if you're looking for a little bit more on this, this is, this is, you know, we're not going to get a decision today. They're just doing the arguments today. So it's not like tomorrow we can come back and say, yay, Supreme Court got this right. Uh, It's going to be a while, obviously, as these things go. But you should know the case and you should be waiting breathlessly almost for it to be, uh, uh, for it to be decided because again, it's going to have a major impact on a lot of people. And whether you're, again, you're, it's your, if you are an employer, certainly moreover. But if you are an employee or if you are a volunteer, if you're a member of a church, if you're a member of a school, all of these things will be impacted by this case. I, I want to share with you uh, the specifics of the funeral home case so you know exactly what we're talking about here. It's kind of overwhelming. It's just beyond a person's imagination to think that you can go to the Supreme Court, but six years before, you had, you're not really sure that that's going to happen. And so I was about as low as you could get. There were so many things to think about, and to go through that first two weeks was very, very difficult for my staff and for for us as a family and for me. We just want to serve families well. And um, to create the best environment for them. After Tom Rost made a decision that respects the needs of the grieving families he serves, he was sued. All he did was follow the law. The rest of the story will be made clear. It is a very significant moment when a family loses a family member, whether it's a husband or a wife or son or daughter. It's very significant to them. The main goal for us is to help families get to the point where they can begin to heal. Here at Harris Funeral Home, we hear it a lot. When people come to us and say, we couldn't have done this without you. I don't know how I got through the last few days. We want to do the best job for every family. No family gets treated differently because it's all about honoring their loved one's life. Immediately you're struck that Harris Funeral Home is the gold standard. The reputation is strong because of years of faithfulness and caring for people. This is a family-owned business. It's been around for forever. And generations after generations have worked so hard to keep this business running. And Tom takes pride and does just what his family did. This has been um, our life business. And I do reflect back on my grandfather, great-grandfather, my dad and my uncle. And there is that legacy, and I feel that, that need to carry that legacy on. Harris Funeral Homes has been in business for more than a hundred years and for years they have served to the grieving family members and friends of the deceased in the Detroit area. I've known Tom for a while and he cares about people and that's why he's in the business that he's in, helping people process their grief. The irony in all of this is Tom is effectively being punished for following the law. 
In 2013, Tom was approached by a male employee who insisted on dressing as a woman while working with grieving families. After Tom denied that request, the government tried to redefine the word sex to mean gender identity this in order to sue him. It's not simply about employment policy. It's much bigger than that. Tom was concerned about lots of people, but he's kind of caught up in this cultural windstorm on this issue where the courts are seeking to redefine the meaning of sex, and that has all kinds of negative consequences, especially for Tom and the multi-generational business that he has, but also for the equal opportunity and privacy of women and girls and others. And this has a huge impact for everybody. Alliance Defending Freedom is arguing this case, and again, they will make their oral arguments today at the Supreme Court. This is, this is the essence of, of, of what we talk about when it comes to our freedom and when it comes to our liberties and when it comes to, again, um, reinforcing rather than redefining cultural norms and protecting women and girls in particular, but also to protect business owners like this. He was sued by the EEOC. That's the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. They sued him for not hiring a guy because the guy wanted to dress like a woman and then work with grieving families who come into the funeral home for their, you know, the, the, the preparations for the, the eternal rest of their loved one. You can obviously see why this would be something that the funeral home could not abide by. They, the people come in there in this terrible time of sadness and grief, and they're going to be greeted by a guy with a beard wearing a dress. It's a circus sideshow, and they're supposed to be, um, uh, you know, uh, treated fairly like that. It, it just makes no sense whatsoever. It would be a massive distraction. It would be extraordinarily uh, difficult for anybody to focus on the actual uh, services taking place because of the, again, the cultural abnormality that would be being perpetrated. And I'm going to use that word. A lot of people don't like to use the word use the word abnormal when we talk about these kinds of things or psychologically delusional. And these, but but it's reality. Cultural norms exist, and to violate those essentially or go against those would be to embrace cultural abnormality. And it's not something that a an employer like this should have to deal with. And quite frankly, not just a funeral home, but any other employer or any other business uh, or school or service or charity or whatever shouldn't have to deal with this either. And moreover, the redefining of the word sex in this particular case is is um, bad enough for the reasons I just described. But what it would do going forward would be so much more broadly um, uh, impactful because if you do redefine sex according to Title VII, according to the law, if you do redefine sex to include the the uh, psychological delusions that lead to uh, people feeling like they are the opposite sex of what they are, all of the things that uh, we've been talking about uh, with respect to women in pro- uh, expected private places, women and girls in particular, uh, women and girls competitively when it comes to sports and these types of things, the opportunities for women will disappear all right equal opportunities let me rephrase equal opportunities for women will disappear if this thing is allowed so the supreme court is hearing a case today that just simply cannot be overstated the significance of it the importance of it peter kersenow will talk about that with us along with the harvard discrimination case and more coming up at ten ten this morning i welcome you to join us and invite you at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five right after the news which is now on AM fourteen twenty. the answer 
All right, 935 now. The Bob Branch Authority does continue on AM 1420. The answer, thanks for sticking with us through the uh, little tech glitch we had in the first segment of the broadcast. But we should be up and running and ready to roll uh, the rest of the way. Um, I uh, tweeted something yesterday and posted something yesterday on Facebook that, um, uh, I, I, you know, it's it's a meme. It's a joke. The sweet meteor of death. Uh, sometimes you just feel like, you know what, um, end it all. Just end it all, God. Just send you know send the the end times coming in one sweet giant ball of fire, the sweet meteor of that. There are times in our culture where things happen, and this is kind of related to the story I just did, the Alliance Defending Freedom story, as they uh, testify before the Supreme Court today. All right, I don't know where that's coming from, but I don't want to hear it. Um, so uh, the uh, I tweeted and, and posted yesterday that I'm ready to bring the sweet meteor of death on because of this particular story. Now, <laughs> we know things have changed, but there are some things that simply cannot and should not change. At Milford, Ohio, this is an Ohio high school. It's located down south around um, Cincinnati. It's outside northeast of Cincinnati, okay? In Milford, Ohio, I don't know if you have kids in high school right now, but this is homecoming season, right? Home, home, excuse me, homecoming queens have been crowned for decades and decades and decades in most schools. Uh, a while back, they started doing kings as well. So you got a homecoming king and a homecoming queen, and it's just been the way that it's been. When I was in high school, by the way, in the 80s, um, no, no homecoming kings. So I think that was much more of a 90s type thing where it really started, maybe even 2000s, I don't know. But in the 80s, we just had a homecoming queen, and that was it. There was the queen and then the rest of her court. Uh, but that was pivoted, and, and they added the king to it just for whatever reason, to make the boys happy, I suppose. But So the king and queen have been going on for a long time. And if you're in, homecom- if you're in high school now or you've got kids in high school, you know homecoming season is going on. Well, they just had their homecoming down in Milford, Ohio. Milford High School in Cincinnati, or outside of Cincinnati, decided to crown Abby Stropes, and Trinity Miller as their homecoming king and queen. Two girls. And in order to make sure that they didn't have to fit any kind of gender profile, they did not name them king and queen. They eliminated king and they eliminated queen. And they are now just homecoming royalty. And the district says that's the new norm. In future years to come, there will just be homecoming royalty because to assign gender roles to the winners of king and queen would be to be discriminatory. Moving forward, the district said on its Facebook page, Milford High School will not use the words king and queen to refer to the two students who received the highest votes from their peers. They will be known this year and in the future as homecoming royalty. The district says it wants all students to feel included. (laughs) Uh, Milford's homecoming king and queen have been seniors traditionally. While the homecoming court consists of students of all grades, students are listed as individuals, not as couples. And this year, one of the girls selected received the most peer votes for homecoming king. So the district decided to eliminate the term and allow this to be the new pathway forward. Friends, I just don't have the stomach for this stuff much longer i just don't i don't have the uh the the wherewithal to deal with these kinds of things anymore i you know we are upsetting every social norm that has ever existed all because of political correctness and psychological delusion 
And that's what we're fighting with on a daily basis. And on a daily basis, we continue to have stories about little children being indoctrinated into the, into the same political correctness and into the same psychological delusions that are encompassing the lives of adults. With drag queen story hours continuing to be presented um, in, uh, in libraries to little children, as an example. Children being uh, given the permission, in fact, let me rephrase, because I talked about this story last week. Children not needing, under the age of 16, not needing parental permission to begin um, life and body changing um, treatments. You know, talking about hormone therapies and other things because they themselves might be confused at a particularly vulnerable point in their lives and they start taking forever body transformation uh, medications. Parents don't even have a say. Kids are being just completely indoctrinated into this culture, into this wild, maniacal um, sub-universe that is being created for them. And i got to tell you, I'm just... I'm just running out of ways to to combat this and ways to, you know, because, you know, as soon as I say this, what am I? Homophobic, transphobic, bigoted, uh, prejudiced, et cetera, et cetera. This is the way that it goes. If you point out that boys are boys and girls are girls, you're a bigot, you're a, tr- you're a transphobe, et cetera, et cetera. How do we fight this? What are we supposed to do? So that's down in Milford, Ohio, and I guess what the one thing that I would do, or I might suggest rather, is let's talk about people in Northeast Ohio. Let's talk to, rather, uh, people in Northeast Ohio. Are you active and involved in your kids' schools? Do you know what they are teaching your kids? Do you know whether or not they are um, uh, embracing and defending biology, science? I'll run through them again. Anatom- you know, anatomically, biologically, chromosomally, all of these things, uh, are, are they science supportive or do they believe in supporting people's individual psychological delusions and trying to say that this is the way that it is? And if you don't change for them, if you don't uh, bend to their will, then you are discriminating against them. I would say let's not wait until there's another Milford. I would say let's not wait until we uh, find out that uh, your kid comes home and says, yeah, two girls won homecoming king and queen, and they changed the name of it. I would suggest you get out in front of it and find out if there is any type of movement like that uh, to go forward and and to demand to be you know uh, consulted if something like that is to come up in the future. There is something, there are rather some things that are worth fighting for. There are some things that are worth fighting for, and and simple human biology uh, is one of them. You cannot put girls and women into these very dangerous positions that uh, these types of uh, new rules and new laws that are being argued before the Supreme Court, these kinds of things that would change, you just cannot put them into the, into positions like that. All right, 942, let me pivot to this. Yesterday, the governor of the state of Ohio unveiled his new gun legislation. His new proposal is called Strong Ohio. He's got an acronym for Strong Ohio, S-T-R-O-N-G, Strong Ohio. Uh, Stands for Safety Protection Orders. These are just S-T-R-O-N-G, work with me. Safety Protection Orders, Thorough Background Checks, Rigorous Due Process, uh, that's a reach, Ongoing help in, uh, to those in crisis, new state background checks, which is a little different than thorough background checks, apparently. 
because they have to make the word strong work here. It's so much funny how much of this is in the packaging and not in the substance. And then the G is greater penalties for gun, uh, gun crimes. So the Strong Ohio Bill, sponsored by Matt Dolan in Chagrin Falls, state senator, um, the Strong Ohio Violence Prevention Plan will preserve constitutional rights, we are told yesterday by the governor and uh, his uh, team, expand treatment options and prevent violence through those methods. According to the governor, components of the bill will create a process in Ohio law similar to the current probate court processes or process that directs those suffering from severe mental health conditions into court-ordered treatment. To give hospitals and courts a better ability to help those who are legally declared to be a danger to themselves or others due to drug dependency or chronic alcoholism. That's a little difficult. Uh, not saying it's wrong. Saying that's difficult. Because the bar must be very, very high, I think, before the court can specifically order somebody into a treatment, especially in an inpatient facility that would be like imprisoning them for crimes not yet committed. That's got to be, you got to be very careful there. Next, ensure that citizens have full due process at all probate court hearings. That kind of matters. Next, ensure that those legally declared by a judge to be a danger to themselves or others do not have access to firearms. And I'm okay with that. I am. We don't want nut jobs to have guns, but that due process part matters more. What is it? What standard will a judge have to declare somebody to be a danger to themselves? There is an issue there. There is a question there. If somebody's girlfriend breaks up with them, if somebody gets divorced and they're depressed and they're going to see a therapist for their depression over loneliness or over sadness or over separation anxiety or whatever the case might be, does that mean they're a danger to themselves and now they are going to have their their Second Amendment rights violated? I got a problem with that. Next, give family members of those who may be a danger to themselves or others because of drug dependency or chronic alcoholism the ability to more easily petition the court, the probate court, for court-ordered treatment. That's okay. Again, depending upon what the definition of the word easily is here, I want the standard to be high. I don't want it to be impossible to reach. Mandate that law enforcement agencies and courts enter certain protection orders and arrest warrants for serious crimes into state and federal law enforcement databases to ensure more accurate background check results. Next, to create a new private sale background check process that will increase the number of background checks conducted in Ohio while also protecting the privacy of law-abiding gun owners. That might be hard to marry those two things together, don't you think? Next, to create a safe uh, legal safe harbor for firearm sellers who require private sale background checks. Next, to increase penalties for those who sell or provide a firearm to someone legally prohibited from possessing a gun. That's reasonable. Next, gives judges a range of sentences for felony cases in which a gun was either possessed, brandished, or used. That's good. Increase the penalty for those who are found with a gun while legally prohibited from possessing a firearm. I always love deterrence. That's good. Increase the penalty for selling a gun to a minor. That's fine and increase penalties for straw purchases and knowingly possessing a straw-purchased gun. Republicans, as you know, have repeatedly blocked a lot of gun control measures at the State House, and that's with good reason. GOP House Speaker Larry Householder said recently discussions about taking guns from people or limiting constitutional rights are concerning. He is right to be concerned. There is a little bit to like in the governor's plot and plan here. I shouldn't say plot. It makes it sound nefarious. Um, there is a little bit to like in the governor's plan here released yesterday, the Strong Ohio Against Violence Plan, Violence Prevention Plan. But there are some concerning questions as well. 
They say that they want to ensure citizens have full due process at all probate court hearings, but that they will ensure that these those legally declared by a judge to be a danger to themselves or others do not have access to firearms. How do those two things marry together? What is the standard for a judge to say this person might be a danger to himself? You can't have a gun. This person might be a danger to others. You can't have a gun. Uh, I'm really, really concerned about that. I want to know what that would look like, and uh, that's something, of course, that they didn't get into yesterday in, in specifics. So this is the governor's plan. We'll see what the uh, Ohio General Assembly says about it. Uh, anything that is going to remove someone's Second Amendment rights is going to be, have to be looked at very, very closely while also trying to, indeed, maintain and uh, assure uh, all of us of uh, the protection of the public from people who should not have access to firearms. If you have thoughts on it, we'll get you on the radio, but you want to do it now because Kersenow is coming up at 1010. Dial 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. We'll put you on the radio, but Kersenow at 1010. Stay here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine fifty-three. As we roll onward on AM fourteen twenty, the answer with the authority. We've got uh, Peter Kirsten out coming on. He's the real authority. He'll be uh, giving us his uh, special wisdom and insight on a number of these issues that we are discussing, including, of course, the president of the United States and the attempted coup against him. Uh, Adam Schiff, Adam Pile of Schiff, is uh, speaking now and raging, as you can imagine, over the fact that uh, the State Department has stopped. Um, the uh, latest witness from testifying, Gordon Sondland, was supposed to testify this morning, and uh, the State Department has ordered him not to. He has to follow that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and again, the uh, uh, what, what's so frustrating about it, and you know this, but what's so frustrating about this is the fact that they are acting like this is all new material. This is all brand new stuff, and we have to react because, oh my goodness, we have to provide oversight against the uh, executive branch. Uh, look at what we just found out he's doing. This is just the latest example, the latest reason, the latest excuse to follow through on what they planned to do when he was elected. Before he was elected, when he was elected, before he was inaugurated, when he was inaugurated, the plans were put in motion. How do we impeach him? We're just looking for reasons. We tried Russia, couldn't get it done. We tried obstruction, couldn't get it done. We tried racism and and incompetence with the 25th Amendment. We had no appetite for that. What are we going to do? Oh, here's a phone call. Let's try this one. It's just the latest example, and I want everyone to know about it. Uh, let me get a couple of quick phone calls in here, as uh, promised. Dave has been waiting impatiently in Lakewood. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Dave, go right ahead. Uh, you you express your opinions about these weirdos trying to twist children's minds about their gender. Yeah. All I can say is, from one homophobic to another, God love you and keep up the good work. Well, thank you for the call, uh, Dave. I... Um... Uh, look, you know, this is something that I think I, I, not I don't think, I know I take very, very seriously. What we are talking about here literally is child abuse in my mind when we talk about uh, children being told that it's okay for you to be a boy if you are a girl. It's okay for you to be a girl, and we'll call you by those names, and we'll call you by those pronouns, and we'll dress you this way, and so on and so forth. And worse off, that they tell these kids it's okay to move forward with medical procedures 
to try to make that a reality, to try to undo what God has done and to make that a reality. That's a pro, that's child abuse in my opinion. That is exa- and that is exactly what is going on in a lot of places. And, uh, you know, all it takes, you know, for this type of perversity and this type of abuse to continue is for good people who know it is happening to say nothing. And we're not going to do that. We're going to say something. Fred is in Cleveland next. Hi, Fred. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Two quick points. Um, there's a movement in the UK for transgender people to revert back to their original gender. The people that have had the surgery have regretted it, and now they want to reverse the trend. And yeah, go that's back not to their just in the UK, gender. though. Okay, that's here too, Fred. I, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's, okay. it's that's what makes this so. That's what makes what we're talking about so important, right? Because mm-hmm. allowing kids, especially. Because kids are so, you know, flighty and impressionable, um, they change their minds every 10 minutes about normal things, let alone massive things like this, to give them the ability to change themselves or to undergo procedures or take dangerous drugs, hormone uh, uh, treatments, and so on and so forth, when they could change their mind at any moment. But you're right, adults, too have regretted undergoing sexual reassignment surgery or, uh, you know, uh, 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 augmentation of their body parts, plastic surgery, and so on to, to change into the opposite sex. And they have regretted it, and then they're trying, like you said, to reverse it. It's extraordinarily difficult to do. That's what makes it so important, because it's a it's a forever decision that, um, you know, uh, that, that people can't turn, you know, turn away from. Right. These, these people don't need an operating room. They need psychiatric help. It's, you know, it's not. That is 100% right. Right. And if I could, I'd like to give a quick opinion on the DeWine thing. I think that he is an absolute joke, and it, he proved himself to be a joke when you interviewed him, and he could barely get through the interview. He was stumbling around. He had no answers for your questions. It's a complete joke. Well, you know, I I sadly uh, agree with that. Well, I shouldn't say agree that he's a complete joke, but I think as far as these particular issues with, with, with respect to the guns that I interviewed him about, I am extremely disappointed with him. Uh, I, and I am in strong disagreement with him. Um, our constitutional rights and our due process should be sacrosanct. They should never be assaulted. They should never come under uh, attack because of fear created by somebody else's actions. And essentially, that's what it is. You know, I'll I'll uh, kind of give you a little joke here, but it's also accurate at the same time. That, that, that to underscore what I'm saying here, and I actually posted this a few days ago too. Um, for liberals, th- th- this is this is kind of the mindset. Um. Taking guns, or no, I'm sorry, voluntarily surrendering your guns to the government because other people committed crimes with them is like having yourself castrated because your neighbors have too many kids. I want you to think about that. Surrendering your guns because criminals misuse guns is like having yourself castrated because somebody else has too many kids. Think about that. Let it sink in. And tell me whether or not you uh, think that makes any sense, because that's what uh, we have to talk to Governor DeWine about.
All right, it's uh, coming up on 10 o'clock, so we're going to get our time out now, and we're going to have Peter Kirsch now on the other side. Uh, he'll be joining us uh, for a couple of segments. If you want to get back in line after that, 216-901-0945, We'll get you up and on the radio. And also during the news, if you want to tweet or text, or excuse me, tweet or Facebook comment to me on these subjects, you may do so at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio on social media, France Radio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.